There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that will get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. I want you to just picture this. It's opening morning pre-light it's dark you just spent hours hiking into this nice alpine basin you spent a lot of time scouting and you know that there's elk in here you saw them just a couple days before and you're pretty sure that at sunrise this canyon is going to be filled with some bulls you saw a nice bull you're in a general area and you're just excited with anticipation as the sun comes up it starts to get light you look around and what do you see well in actuality, you're probably going to see blaze orange everywhere around you. Just dudes galore. Blaze orange on the trail. Blaze orange up at the head of the basin. Blaze orange popping out of the trees. Why? Because you're in a general unit and that's just how opening day is. Welcome to the pumpkin patch. Now, while opening day can be the busiest day in the woods, I think that there's a few tactics that you can take with you to be very successful. It might not seem like a good day to hunt, but... There are, is a lot of success that first day because it's the first crack at these animals with a rifle. So I've developed a four-step plan to help you be successful on the busiest day in hunting season. That includes scouting, planning, adapting, and intercepting. But before we get there, I want to tell you a story of an opening day where we got a double by following the specific plan. Now for me, opening day, general rifle season, I've had a pretty good track record. 
I'm always guiding those opening days because it is a good day. It's it's the day that we get to chase all these elk that we've been chasing archery season first time with a rifle. The very downside of it is there is a lot of people out that first day. Everybody's excited. Everybody wants to get out. Everybody's got their spot that they want to go to. And so it's not necessarily about figuring out where the elk are, but it's also figuring out what are these elk going to do once they get highly pressured. So I'd found this herd of elk that I'd been watching earlier in the year, and I saw a couple, maybe three, four bulls in there, a couple nice ones and some smaller bulls. And I thought, all right, this is where I'm going to go tomorrow morning. I put them to bed the night before and figured, all right, we're going to get up there. We're going to get in early. This will be great. So me and my two hunters get up well before daylight. We park at the trailhead. We're like, sweet. There's actually a couple trucks down lower in the canyon, but go, okay, we were going to go in here, but let's just go up and we'll plan on kind of going where once those get spooked, where they're going to end up going. So we're going to go to the top of the mountain. We're going to hike in a little bit further, but we got a lot of time. The trucks that were down lower were like actually camping at that trail. So I knew that they were, they actually weren't even out of their vehicles or anything. They were just in there camping, but I didn't want to walk in on anyone. So we went up higher, got parked, started hiking in. We hike up in the dark, gain a lot of elevation, get up into this nice base. And we're like, all right, now we've got a long time before daylight, but that's all right. I'd rather just be up here. So we're sitting there waiting. I'm trying to listen in glass if I can, but obviously it's just dark and I'm just anticipating daylight getting here so we can start hunting. Fairly cold. We're just tucked into this little timber pocket and I hear something behind us. I'm like, well, that is definitely a dude. So a guy, he's walking ridge and I just kind of whistle, you know, just to let him know, hey, we're we're here. Uh, okay, cool. You know, he's far enough away, stops. I can tell that he pretty much hears me. And then he just like walks around us and goes and gets set up. Like, I don't even know, maybe five, 600 yards away from where we're at. I'm like, okay. So now I'm like, well, this is great. I mean, he's essentially going to try to be just ahead of where we are looking. Well, whatever that happens, let's just go to a completely different spot down the mountain. So I'm like, all right, I tell my guys, we're just going to move down. This, this is not, I want to be further down when it starts to get light. So just, I just, I don't like being around people that close and that was just kind of a weird move. So that's how it's going to be. So we decide to walk down. We have to walk around. So we just take like a really wide track around and we've got our headlights on and we're like walking down the ridge across from him now i mean a good a good ways away and the guy starts flashing his headlight at us <laughs> headlamps like it's like we're out in the marsh duck hunting you know you're letting you're blowing off your duck call <laughs> letting everybody know where you're at pre-light flashing your headlamp I'm like oh this is how it's gonna be all right gotcha well let's just get down further i mean it's gonna be a long trudge up but i know that the elk like to move so i had a plan and it was just like all right there's people at the first spot not even out of the vehicles, but they're camped there. Let's move up the mountain. Okay, now some dude walk parks right behind our truck, clearly walks up right behind us. But hey, it's opening day. I expect that 100% of the time. So we just adapt. We decide we're going to drop down. I'm like, all right, I know that the elk like to move up this direction. They're probably going to get spooked by the guys coming up a little bit later. 
If not, then they'll actually be feeding up anyways. There's the guy at the top of the hill. We're just going to get ourselves into a good position to intercept things that get bumped by other people when they mess up. I love to be the guy that gets the first crack, but if I can't, I'm going to try to figure out a way to adapt my plan and just use what I know of elk behavior and their travel patterns to get into position where things are moving. We start getting down there and it starts getting a little bit later. We haven't seen anything. It's actually a pretty slow morning. I thought we'd hear a few more shots. Heard a couple shots off in the distance, but nothing like you'd normally hear war zone action opening day. Glassing around through the valleys, different locations, and there's definitely a lot of people out, a lot of orange pumpkins out there. But the one thing that was good was we started to get some weather, some some snow, some bad visibility, which isn't great for glassing, but it's good for if you're kind of setting up an ambush. So we're going down the mountain. I'd spotted what looked like a deer and we kind of started moving down that direction. There's this one spot where I know it's just, you can't really see it from anywhere. So we're moving down and we're like, ah, nothing, nothing, nothing. I start working around the hill. I smell elk. I'm like, oh, elk start to creep, but it's super steep. And it's just one little open. As we move, I feel the wind shift just as we spot a group of cows, like maybe 200 yards away. They run off. I'm like, oh no, that was our opportunity. Dang it. Kicking myself. I'm like, damn, this sucks. But I get on the cow call. I start following those elk. We move down and we're just standing there above. And I can see like a guy off in the distance, a few ridges away. I'm like, man, I, I think he either bumped something or I don't know what's going on, but we should just, I should just like look here and be patient. We're sitting there for a little bit. All of a sudden I see this bull antler tips right below us. I'm like, bull, bull, bull. We get down. One of the hunters loads up. I go, all right, sweet. He gets set up. The bull walks out, boom, shoots and just drops him. This bull ended up walking right to us at about, I don't even know, had to be less than 100 yards, very close. This was like an offhand shot because the pitch of the hill was pretty steep. I can't remember if we got to a tree or if he just stood up and shot the thing. It was like 50 yards away. He shoots the bull. We're like stoked, celebrating. And I look down, there's another bull. I was like, oh, Joe. One of the other guys was with me, Joe, Joe, another bull. Joe lines up, gets the shot, boom, shoots, drops that bull opening day we just intercepted two bulls within the first i don't know half a day even though our plans were completely messed up just by adapting a little bit changing our plan and going to where we could intercept elk that other people had bumped we were successful the one really cool thing about this day was although i've taken a lot of doubles you can go back and you can listen to the podcast of the the accidental double or how to get a double This double was one of the first elk doubles where the elk dropped close enough to each other that we could get them both in the same picture, which for me, having been on a lot of hunts where we got doubles, that was pretty cool. And it kind of broke the seal because later that season, we also got another double where we could get both bulls in the same picture. Just a great opening day. And one of the reasons that I love being out the first day of the season, because you just really never know what's going to happen. Scout, plan, adapt, intercept. Foolproof method for opening day hunting success. Now, when I'm talking about this form of opening day tactics, I I think you first have to categorize opening day into two things. General tag, 
limited entry tags because my approach is completely different on those. This is the reason. Limited entry tags, you are granted limited entry. There's very few tags. There's a limited number of people. And because of that, you can hunt differently. While there will be pressure, it might be pressure for specific animals, but there's often a lot less pressure. So you can target the animal that you're hunting. There's a lot more scouting involved and pre-planning, but there's not as much of this having to intercept or running into so many people. While it does happen, it's kind of one of the nice things about having one of those limited entry tags or maybe hunting private land. Now, what I'm going to break down today would be a general type tag hunt. Although I'm kind of talking about elk hunting or deer hunting out west, this works really well with pretty much any form of hunting. I mean, if you think about eastern U.S., midwestern U.S., there's a lot of people, and I touched a little bit about this on a Q&A earlier this season, but there's a lot of people that are maybe hunting smaller tracks of private, and getting those animals moving around causes a lot of action on those particular pieces. Most animals in a lot of states are shot on opening day, but it also has to do with that's when most hunters are out. I would say out West in a lot of general areas, opening day is going to be hands down the busiest day of the season. Maybe that day and the Saturday of the last day of the season, if it falls around a holiday, especially. But outside of that, opening day is because that's when everybody who lives around there has been itching to go out. Most people during general rifle seasons, a lot of people go out for different reasons. Some people are diehard hunters. Some people just go out because it's family tradition. Some people just, it's a fun weekend getaway, something to do. Everybody takes things a little bit differently, but you have all those different types of user groups out there on the same day because the first day you can do it, it's a weekend generally, and it just sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe we'll just go try our luck, see if we can get into some animals. And it tends to be very successful because the amount of hunters that are out there often get the animals stirred up enough where they're bumping things back and forth. General tag, we call it the pumpkin patch a lot because many states require hunter's orange and it's just there's going to be a bunch of orange vest pumpkins everywhere. So you have to include this in your plan. Now, my four-step plan, scout, plan, adapt, intercept, really takes root in creating an actionable plan that's going to help lend yourself to success. The first one, let's just jump into scouting. If you were to ask me, Remy, if you had five days, would you rather go four days scouting, one day hunting, two days scouting, three days hunting, or just all five days hunting? I would pretty much hands down say, go all five days hunting. You're in the field. You've got a tag in your pocket. You have more chance for success. The caveat to that would be if you're planning on hunting opening day, because if you're planning on hunting opening day, you really get the first crack at these animals that haven't necessarily seen pressure, but things are going to change very, very rapidly once the sun rises on that opening morning. They're going to get an immense amount of pressure and they're immediately going to know, oh crap, it's hunting season. Things are going to change quickly. The reason that pre-scouting comes into effect is because you can have an idea of where the animals are at in order to form your plan on that busy day. Now, there's going to be some things that are going to happen that are going to cause those animals to behave very differently. Unfortunately, opening day, you rarely get to hunt elk or deer or anything that are behaving like unpressured animals. That's what you want, but that's not often what you get. So, The scouting portion is really important. What I'm looking for when I'm scouting is three things. I'm first looking for animals. I'm second looking for where those animals might go 
if they're pressured, what might be a good escape route? Where's the nearest really good cover? Where's a good corridor or trail that they seem to be using? If they get pressured and then try to make notes of where they might go when that pressure happens. Another thing I like to look for, number two, would be looking for animals that other people might not know about. The ideal situation is getting into opening day where you don't run into other hunters or other pressure. So finding those little off the trail, off the map, kind of little pockets where maybe other people haven't found what you found. And that really comes with a lot of scouting. And then the third thing that I'm looking for with scouting is just going to be backup plans where if something happens, I've got too many hunters at a particular trailhead. I've got multiple animals that I know about that I can then immediately change my plan. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. So now that rolls into step number two, the plan. When I'm planning for an opening day hunt, I'm thinking about not only where are the animals at, but what's a way that other hunters are going to access this. I kind of anticipate, okay, how are other hunters going to hunt this? Should I get in there first? Should I get in there 
maybe try to be the first one to the elk or should I try to intercept the elk or deer or whatever later? What am I going to do if I don't find them right away, first thing in the morning? Where's a good area where maybe I can be far enough away from other people or where the animal's going to go later on based on my scouting? So understanding those safety zones, those really thick pockets, maybe those patches of timber or those travel corridors. Where are all these at? And then how am I going to plan out my day based on those things that I know? So generally what I like to do, I find elk or deer or whatever that I'm planning on going after. If I'm not the first one there, maybe some dude's camped right in the middle of the basin that I'm planning on hunting. That happens a lot. Or maybe the night before you you pull up and there's seven trucks where you were thinking there was going to be no one. Now I may not be the guy that's going to get to those elk first, or maybe I am on the guy that gets those elk first, but we don't get them. What's going to happen after that? Well, what I like to do is just pick a place where, okay, maybe other hunters, I'm anticipating where other hunters are going to be, and then maybe just sit for a while, maybe see where the movements are at, see where shots are coming from, seeing where things are going on, and then maybe go hunt some more covered areas, maybe still hunt through an area that's okay, this would be a good place that the elk can get to. Or picking a spot that is very difficult to get, maybe a lot of deadfall and and just shitty conditions. Places where animals can be very secure that most hunters will avoid. I like to make these plans and try to stay away from roads. A lot of hunters during opening season are just going to be traveling roads. If I can just get a little bit further than the next guy, I'm going to limit a lot of the competition. And the further I get, the more I limit this competition honestly, the better I'm probably going to do, but also more of a chance of intercepting or getting into animals that aren't under that super pressure. Number three, adapt. During the planning phase, I'm going to know that it's opening day and things are going to change. It's inevitable. Nothing ever goes to plan when you've got a lot of other people also making plans. So it's really important to be flexible, to adapt, and to have a bunch of backup plans in order to be successful. Just because you found elk doesn't mean, hey, this is a sure deal. Just because you found the pocketed deer that you want to hunt, hey, be willing to adapt. If you see a lot of people at one spot, maybe spend a little bit more time in the morning moving to a spot where there's not people. There's been times where I've hiked in first thing in the morning hiked in three to five miles, get back there. And there's people everywhere. Don't find any animals. And I go, okay, let's hike back to the trail. Let's get on the road. Let's find a spot where there's not a lot of vehicles and not a lot of traffic. Hey, maybe we're going to be a little late to the game, but let's find a spot where there's not a lot of people at and then hunt there. You're probably going to be a lot better off adapting to a situation and trying to get away from people in some instances than sticking it out where there's a lot of people. Now, another option of adapting is be patient and maybe just still hunt or sit in an area where you think that other people have a really likely chance of bumping things to you. There have been many opening mornings, opening weekends where I go, okay, there's been a lot of elk here. This is a good travel area. Hey, we're just gonna sit here because we're just gonna wait it out. And I'll see hunters walking past us and then 15 minutes later, an elk or deer or something gets bumped back the other direction. There's so many times where I try to anticipate the movements of the animals and the movements of hunters more than actually where those animals are currently. And that brings us to step four, intercept. If you think about most hunting scenarios, 
you're trying to match your wits against the animal at their own game. When you get into an opening day scenario, when the pumpkin patch army, when the orange army arrives on the crack of dawn on that first day of the season, those animals know they have on their calendars, elk and deer have on their calendars when opening day starts. Yes, they do. It's because it's no coincidence because they see an immense amount of traffic that first couple of days and they go, ooh, okay, things are different. Yesterday, we could just hang out in the open a lot longer. That's no longer going to be the case from now until all this traffic stops. You'd be surprised at how much more successful you'll be. I would say instead of planning on outsmarting animals, planning on outsmarting animals that are trying to be outsmarted by other hunters. What that means is thinking about the travel routes, the escape routes, where they like to go, where they're going to feel the most safe, and then putting yourself in those places. Let everybody else run around. Let the animals run to you. While that still might involve a lot more legwork, like I wouldn't say that that's a lazy way of hunting. Many times I will go through the places that people don't want to go to. I'll go through that really bad deadfall in that really steep canyon, in that fairly dark timber, knowing that I will probably be able to hear, smell, or see elk that other people have pushed in there, have moved around, have bumped around. And then setting myself up on those trails, maybe those pinch points between saddles and other areas where it's like, okay, it's really easy hunting down here. There's going to be people on the road. So that's going to push the animals, I would say, a little bit away from the roads. The ones that are there might get shot, but everything else might run away. Then there's going to be those hunters that walk a little bit of a distance from the road, but they're going to be hunting the easier trails and other things. And then there's those places that people just don't like. And that's the places where the animals are probably going to go. And that's where I would like to set up an intercept. This can really be done with a lot of different species in a lot of different places. I would say most people are fairly used to this type of hunting. Most of the people that I guide are maybe from Midwest, Minnesota, back east, whatever, where they're hunting 20 to 40 acres and opening days, their day that they're probably going to kill something because everybody's running stuff around. There's movement, there's people shooting, there's people missing, things are, are stirred up. Then there's this lull in the middle of the day. And then things get stirred up again. Those animals that didn't really figure it out first thing in the morning are going to figure it out pretty quick in the evening. That middle of the day part is a really good time to intercept the animals where they're hiding, where they're trying to avoid hunters, where they've maybe been pressured to. And that's a really good time to still hunt, to use still hunting tactics. Or just using, if it's more open country, using more glassing tactics, glassing into areas to try to find animals that might be bedded up, might be trying to avoid pressure. Animals that maybe are understanding the pressure based on the amount of vehicle traffic, the amount of hiking traffic, maybe not even being shot at or particularly hunted, but just the noticeable increase of traffic during that day. And then intercepting those animals in those spots where they're most likely to be once that pressure goes. If you can understand animals' escape routes, the places that they're going to favor when they get pressured, and those places that other people don't really like to get into, having a little bit of time pre-season to scout it out and make plans, backup plans, and adapt, you're going to be a lot more successful. You'll be one of the guys punching your tag on that first day as opposed to one of the guys wishing that you'd punched your tag on the first date and spending the next few days struggling to find animals that have been highly pressured. Maybe you've got a tag coming up and you know you're going to be out there opening day. I hope that you kind of think about not only where you're going to go and maybe spending a little bit of time if you can preseason, just scouting and, and figuring out 
what your plan is going to be, but also just understanding that there are going to be other hunters and maybe how to avoid those other hunters or use those other hunters to your benefit. I think next week, what I really want to talk about is a little bit of open country spot and stock whitetail hunting. I think that's one topic that really probably doesn't get talked about enough, but for me personally, a lot of my general tags that I end up using end up being spot and stock whitetail hunting, public land style whitetail hunting. It can be a really fun hunt, especially for a lot of guys that are into whitetail hunting. There's a lot of opportunity for it out West. And I think it's a very underrated, under talked about topic. There are some really good whitetail hunting spots and places from Wyoming through Colorado, Idaho, Montana. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good whitetail hunting that many people don't talk about, or it might even be something that you can do where you live. Maybe you don't have a lot of access to private whitetail hunting, but there is some public land around where you're at. Maybe you live in some, some hardwood countries, but there's some state forests around. So I want to just give you some tactics for those of you that might want to still hunt or open country hunt, a big mountain hunt whitetails in a little bit different terrain, maybe some pointers on that kind of stuff. I think it's a really fun way to hunt white-tailed deer. It can be a little bit more exciting, especially if you're like me and you just aren't super patient or you don't have the time to invest into setting up stands and other things. Wow, that is a very, very effective way to hunt whitetails. There are other ways to hunt them and it can be just as exciting and maybe more exciting. So I say we cover that next week. Also remember to send me in your questions for our Q&As coming up. I really appreciate so many messages, just a lot of really great stuff from elk season. People stoked about that. Also last week we talked about some truck gear and some other things. Uh, people really enjoyed that. I'm, I'm really glad to hear. I love getting the feedback from everyone. So when you got that feedback, shoot me messages on Instagram at Remy Warren. Please feel free to tag me in any stories where you get success. What I want to start doing is kind of like sharing a lot of that on my own social. So if you listen to the podcast and you've been successful or you tried a tactic or whatever, tag me in your story at Remy Warren. And then a couple times a week, I'll try to get on there and reshare those so everybody else can see everyone's success, kind of create a, a cool community with other people and just see what everybody's been doing, what tactics have been working, whether it was just earlier this year or something you're going to try or whatever. I love checking that stuff out. And honestly, I, I try to look at as much of it as, as I can. So if you do that, that'd be sweet. Also, you know, feel free to share this podcast with friends, family, whatever. If you don't subscribe, check it out. Subscribe if you if that's an option on your thing. Subscribe, download, whatever. And then if you've got an option for wherever you listen to the podcast to, to rate the podcast, I really appreciate that. Leave an awesome comment. You guys are awesome. So until next week, make sure to outfox the fox. I don't even know if that makes sense. But what I'm trying to say is outsmart the ones trying to outsmart the ones that will outsmart you if everybody does that then we'll all outsmart each other crap outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? 
You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.